Hello, podcast. Welcome to episode 12, Trust. In this episode, Stephen and I discuss what is trust. There's an important distinction made between emotional trust and intelligent trust. And Stephen explains that emotional trust, whilst exhilarating at times, can be a bit too binary. It can be yes or no, hero or zero, black or white. Whilst if we let our intelligence into the game, we can see that there are many different shades of grey. Throughout the conversation, I can feel my emotion wanting to take charge. For me, trust feels like an emotive topic, not so much an intelligence or reason topic. And you can probably hear my gears in my brain crunching. But I'm glad I hung on. In 24 hours, I'd had a great conversation with somebody we were discussing how best to set up a pilot. And knowing the distinction between intelligence trust and emotional trust, let us set the course better for how we wanted the pilot to go. And we knew there would be yeah, emotion involved. We were able to anticipate it and plan for it and how we were going to yeah, use it for the for, use it for our advantage. So each time we have one of these chats, I feel a little smarter. I hope you feel the same way too. I'll be back at the end with some admin. In the meantime, here's some cheesy music. Recording, yep. you're recording. Episode 12, Trust, Edinburgh. Can you hear me? I didn't clear. I didn't clear. Good news. So we promised in this episode we would talk about trust. And this fat followed on a little bit from episode 11, which we talked about collaboration. And trust, obviously, well, not obviously, but if you listen to it all, obviously trust was a big component of collaboration. So we said we'd just talk a little bit more about what does trust mean? What would be a good definition of trust? I mean, it isn't just liking somebody and thinking they'll do what they say they're going to do. Trust is a judgment on what you then expect to happen and what you feel you can count on. And trust is in collaboration. It's also in those other four options in collaboration because the level of trust that you have will determine what those best options are in terms of avoiding or compromising or competing or accommodating. So trust is a, is a real important thing in terms of a relationship, either with yourself, a situation, with others. It's what you believe you will make a judgment that you can trust and to what degree. The point to really focus on is whether that judgment is an emotional judgment or an intelligent judgment. Okay, so this is a trust is how reliable I think my judgment is. No. So how would you do, yeah, what's the one liner for trust then? It's your judgment of what you expect to happen. A judgment of what I expect to happen. So high trust doesn't always mean, therefore, that it's going to be a good thing. High trust is it's highly reliable. Yeah, and, and if you've got low trust in someone, for instance, it's because you don't know what's coming next. You don't know what they're going to do. You don't know how to predict. So you're not too sure. So it's difficult then emotionally to trust. You know, if you've got family members or friends who no matter whenever you see them, whatever situation you see them, they're always either upbeat and positive or they're always kind of downbeat and cynical you can feel more comfortable with what you're trusting you're going to experience. Yes. However, if it's a family member or a friend or a client or a colleague and one minute they're up, the next minute they're down, one minute they're really positive, next they're kind of aggressive, difficult to trust emotionally, but what you can intelligently trust is they're going to be unpredictable. Yes. Okay. That's a really good one then. So, so in my head... I think of trust as this super positive emotion. Actually, it isn't that. It's about being able to reliably forecast what's what's going to happen next. So as you said, 
if I can trust somebody to be miserable all the time, I may not be happy about the fact they're going to be miserable, but I can rely on the fact that they're going to be miserable. And so I've got a high degree of, tr- of trust in my judgment of that situation. That, that's when you move trust into an intelligent judgment. But what we tend to do by default is we make trust an emotional judgment. Yes. Okay. And that's based upon what we like, what we don't like, what we're keen on, what we want to avoid. And it swings as all emotional judgments do. We'll swing from 0% to 100%. Yes. To 0% and then 100%. The intelligent trust is those 99 options in between to what degree rather than just 0% or 100% hero to zero. You know, you can totally trust that guy and this other guy, just he's not to be trusted. Or, you know, she's so reliable and everything else, whereas her over there, you just never know what you're getting. So that, that emotional judgment moves you zero to 100. You're right. So this takes us back to emotional management and emotional intelligence. So if I like somebody, I'm more liable emotionally to think they are trustworthy or is it if i like their actions or is that or am i confusing it's just emotional use of trust if you're looking at zero or 100 then you're looking at it emotionally so you're looking at someone wholesale if you're looking at the 99 boxes between zero and 100 then you're looking more intelligently because the, the, the emotional question on trust is, can I trust this person? And that will be a yes or a no. That will be a zero or a hundred. The intelligent question is, what can I trust this person to do? Right. There you go. So emotional is like a binary response. And this is, and I know now from these conversations, I'm starting to ask better questions, which is the point of this. So here we go. So the question isn't, can I trust this person, yes or no? It's, in this situation, what can I trust this person to do? Is that how I should be looking at And then it's more intelligent. It's more evidence-based. It's yes. more data-driven. It's more based upon your whole experience rather than he's not yes. to be trusted, but she's to be, you can trust her with anything. Yes. Okay. So you get the nuances, you get the situation. There's an understanding of where is this person, what state that that person is in emotionally, intelligently. You know, sometimes if we're stressed, we're going to act differently than if than in other times. The situation, is this a familiar situation to this person? Are we familiar with seeing that person in that situation? Are we familiar enough with the outcome we're hoping this person is going to deliver? Yeah, I get it then. And, and this you know, starts with yourself. You know, but what we'll tend to do as well, if we, like, if we like what we're hearing, we'll kind of want to trust it. So we put that emotion behind it because we like it. And then when we don't like something, we want to kind of dismiss it by saying, I don't think you can trust that. You're dead on right. I've read the research where... If we like somebody, we are so much more likely to think this is a good guy that if somebody we like does something bad, we will explain it away. And this comes back to emotional management and about your intelligence being the PR story for how you feel about stuff. And you're right. So if we look at somebody we like, our emotion will just tell us this is, of course, somebody you can trust. But the moment you engage them with your intelligence, you're able to look at this in a much more situation, outcome, logical, rational way. You become more objective. You know, and if you think of relationships, someone loves somebody. So there's a whole load of emotion involved. Yes. So they they tell themselves they can be trusted one hundred percent. Yes. And then there's someone else, and because maybe they've had a bad experience with that or left exposed or been caught out because it's their emotions that are getting played with, they then take that into the next relationship of, I can't trust. Yes. And, and so they, they have this emotional use of, of trust. That starts in any kind of relationship. On a, that, that There's very few people in your life who can deal with 100% of your trust. Exactly. That, that's a pressure that can come. Uh, there's also very few people in your life that deserve 0% of your trust. 
Yes. That typically is because of what someone else has done to you. But when you've got emotion wrapped up in that relationship, it's why there's a lot of difficult and hazardous relationships because there's so much emotion involved that the perception of trust then becomes uh, tainted in some ways or distorted by the emotion. And it goes from the zero to 100. The breakups, the getting back together, the breakups, the getting back together. The I can't trust you, but let's make up and all, all those things. But literally, if I'm hearing this right, you can't trust anyone 100% of the time. You can just trust people at the right times to do the right things. But I mean, I'm thinking a bad football analogy. You know, I mean, if I've got a fantastic striker, I can't trust him to save a penalty as well as scoring a penalty. But I can trust him to do to do certain jobs amazingly well. I can trust him to always do his best. But I, I shouldn't expect, I shouldn't trust everyone to be amazing at everything. Otherwise, they're going to disappoint me. This is your intelligent trust or emotional trust. Because emotional trust will say, yes, you can or no, you can't. It's the two extremes. The intelligent question is, what can I trust this person to do? And, and just to put this into context, there are some people who deserve 100% of your trust. And there are some people, if you're lucky enough in life, where you can put 100% of your trust into. That's what loving somebody really is, is because you will put your 100% trust and they will put that 100% trust back in you. But there are times, even in those relationships, where rather than allowing one situation to blow that trust right out of the water, that's just you learning that in certain situations, you can also trust a reaction or a response that you don't quite like. Okay. Okay, that's different than the route I was going. So, this is about the predictability of the response. So it's not always that they're going to do everything amazingly well, or we are going to do everything amazingly well, but how this is, I don't know. If you're in a relationship with somebody who you want to, you, you know, you're so emotionally engaged, you want to put 100% of your trust in, your 100% trust that they will always do things and say things in your best interest. Yes. And then they say something that, you think contradicts that, or they do something that you think contradicts that. If it's only emotion, then you can possibly then go from 100% trusting to 0%. Why would you do that to me? Why would you say that? But if you're an intelligent trust, you can then say, well, I can trust in those situations. They're maybe even going to tell me what I don't want to hear. They're sometimes going to do something which I don't believe is for my benefit, but I trust that their intention was positive. Yes. Rather than going from 100% and because you said something I don't like or I think you've done something against me, it's back to zero. You know, a, a lot of people emotionally will say, well, you've got to earn trust. And so where does time come into this other than emotionally? And if that's the case, it's on a situation by situation basis. Other people will, some people will say we start off at zero and you've got to earn it. Other people will proclaim, I give everybody 100% trust until they let me down. And then it goes back to zero. And that's just emotion. And, and, and I'm all for emotional decisions. I'm all for emotional judgments, as long as you're aware they're emotional and therefore they can go from 100% to 0% in a conversation, in a split second, in a text and a WhatsApp, um, and something else just occurs, and all of a sudden your feelings change and you go 100% to zero and back again. Okay, so intelligent trust. And I think I was then trying to break it down maybe two, into two, yeah, into, into bad ways. Okay, so you, the person you love, you should have 100% trust in, and this is because the main thing that they are doing is always for your benefit and you should 100% trust that. And your intelligence trust would also kick in because if there's something you think, hmm, I don't understand it, you should actually be able to ask the correct question is, I know you, I trust you, therefore I'm keen to understand what drove that behavior rather than the emotional slamming the door, storming out like I normally would. Instead, I sit down and calmly say, hmm, that was strange. 
that I wasn't expecting that. What happened? Yeah, look, it's the, it's the same as decisions. Emotional decisions and intelligent decisions are good decisions. It's not emotions bad and intelligence is good. Yes. But the, the, it's understanding the difference. And it's the same with your judgment and trust. Emotional judgment and trust is at the extremes. It's the zero and it's the 100%. The person who you who you love the most is also the person who can hurt you the most. That's what that relationship is actually about. So it can go 100% to 0% in an instant. But if you also have that intelligent trust, you can then allow that pendulum to go back to, okay, in those situations, I can trust you to do this or do that. And and so you don't just go 100% to zero and back to 100 again. It's knowing that there are 99 boxes in between. Okay. And, and knowing what to expect. And it's the same with decisions. Emotional decisions tend to be very costly, uh, high risk, but hugely exciting and a bit of a roller coaster. Intelligent decisions, more likely to work out, more stable, more consistent, but maybe not the most memorable or exciting. And it's ensuring that you're making a conscious decision or a conscious awareness of whether you're making an emotional judgment or an intelligent judgment, particularly when it comes to trust. Yes. Yeah, this is that being in control. We talked about emotional management, taking that moment to consider and to think. And, and, and as you rightly said, this isn't about saying no to emotional. It's just choosing what's right for that time. Am I going to, you know, am I getting on the roller coaster or am I doing the log flu? So, in a work environment, or not even in a work environment, in any environment then. So when I walk into a situation where I'm meeting people for the first time, whether it's a team, whether it's an individual, what's my starting position? Do I go in there with a zero? So I've been accused in the past of, of either not trusting at all and trusting too much, you know. So I, I'm I'm obviously not good at this this middle ground. You know, what's what's the advice? Well, like all things, Warren, but it's your emotional awareness or your communication or your collaboration or trust. It starts with you. Yeah. You you cannot have more intelligent trust with others than you have with yourself. You can't trust others more than you trust yourself. So the work always starts with you. Same with collaboration, same with emotions, same with communication. You can't communicate better with others better than you're communicating with yourself. So it starts with you. So it's that self-trust as your base. Okay. Because that's what will form your decisions. You'll just project that out onto everybody else. So it's ensuring, first of all, that you're not just in that emotional trust place with yourself, that you've also got intelligent trust. That's level of self-awareness. I know in certain situations, this is how I can respond or react. I know in these kind of situations, I can trust I'll feel really confident. In those situations, I can trust I'll, I'll feel a little bit under threat or a little bit anxious or a little bit uncertain. I know in those situations, I can feel fantastic. I know in those situations, okay. I can trust I'm going to feel a bit defensive. Okay. That makes sense then. So when you go into situations and you're feeling strong and good about yourself, you're right. It makes sense that you're sort of emanating this positivity, which you get back. But when you go into a situation and you're scared or you're nervous and I'm sure we've all been in that situation, you know, where you've had to stand in front of a group of people, and you know, some of the sometimes you do it, and you're expecting to get clobbered, and you do, and other times you expect to go in and get praised and lauded, and and you do. That that sort of self fulfilling prophecy. That's mm -hmm. part of what that is. Then I guess if I'm walking in there with self confidence and self awareness, and I know roughly what's going to happen, that trust in myself is the, is the strong starting point then. That's your emotional trust. That's yeah. your feelings determining your trust. I feel great, therefore I trust myself on everything, 100%. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm feeling bad, I don't trust myself at all, you're at 0%, and what you will do is project it onto everybody else. Yes. It's having all, it's not just how you're feeling going into these situations, 
It's how you're thinking getting into these situations. And this is this intelligent trust. You know, I know what I know how I tend to perform in these situations. I can trust the feelings I'm going to have. I can trust the thoughts I'm going to have. I can trust the, the you know, the buttons that I'm going to allow to be pushed. I can trust that if I get too excited here, I might go too quick for everybody. Yes. I can I can trust if there's any kind of criticism. I can trust I'm probably going to be a little bit too bullish and pushing back, maybe too quick. I can trust if I get excited, I'll say too much and not ask enough. So based upon that intelligent trust, you can then say, so what am I going to do? How do I mitigate that? How do I deal with that? So that you're not caught out by surprise. As you've pointed out at the beginning of this, trust is a bit about predictability and anticipation. And so you should be ready. That's the use of intelligent trust. Otherwise, you go in, it's a roller coaster, it's hugely emotional. Let's see how this goes. And then you come out and you analyze it and you and you have a debrief about it or a wash up about it. And you go, yeah, and that threw me right off. And you, and you can recite the whole experience, but you've not been intelligently in control of any of it. It's your emotions. Yes. That makes good sense. And and I recognize that from my own, own experiences of the two combined is, as you said, you know, you can be feeling a certain way, but you kind of know how this is going to work out and you know you can navigate it. You know how people are going to respond. You know what people are going to say and you're comfortable and strong about, I will take this to the outcome I need it to, get, to, to go to. And a lot of that confidence and awareness comes with experience as well. So, yeah, that makes good sense. So that's the first element of it then is that if I go into a situation with confidence, self-awareness, self-trust, self-emotional trust and self-intelligent trust, that's a great start to this story. But what are the ways then where if I'm an unknown, I'm an unknown entity, and as you say, time will help with these things, but if I want to speed it up, you know, I'm with a group, of, I'm, I'm with a team, I'm trying to build a culture of, of trust, or I'm with a new client and I'm, try, and, and I'm trying to build a, a culture of trust. I'm with yeah, new family members and I want to do the same. And I always have that worry of if you try too hard, you kind of destroy it. But if you don't try hard enough at all, then you're not even giving a chance of building it. I mean, what's the perfect sort of Goldilocks moment for this? Well, again, this is where it's intelligent rather than emotional. You know, very few people can deal with 100% trust, particularly in new relationships, particularly when it's unknown. You don't really know them. They don't know you. And yet you're projecting out 100% trust. I'll trust everything you say. I'll trust everything you do. I'll trust you're going to do everything you're going to tell me to do. I'm just open, wide open to trust. And that other person is looking and thinking, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And this is where intelligent trust really comes in. Or so you're not, you know, shooting for the moon or just landing on, you know, landing on the deck. You've, you've, you've got levels because trust can move. Intelligent trust can move based upon experience. So you okay. can get a foothold. You can climb and continue to climb and build, build intelligently rather than building emotionally. Emotional, tr- emotional trust and building is throwing everything you can and seeing how much sticks. Intelligent trust is building sequentially. But you start with intelligent trust then, because I think a lot of the time, and again, this could just be from my own subjective personal experiences, I feel that you have to have to link with that emotionally. But what you're actually saying is is that will come, start with the intelligence. Is that, is it's, that right? It's, make, it's making sure your intelligence is on the front foot, Warren, but to, to caveat where the emotion sits. If you want that to work, you will go looking for the things that you can trust. If emotionally you don't want it to work, you will go looking for the things that you don't want to be able to trust, that you don't like. So the emotion piece, and this is as we've you know, a common theme in almost every session, has been beginning with the end in mind. Yes. If you if you go into this with positive intent then you will go and pick up on all the positive signs. If you go in with negative intent, you'll pick up all the negative signs. 
your subconscious doesn't differentiate between positive and negative, good or bad. It just goes looking for, for what you're telling it to look for. So that intent is really, really important. Okay. If, if, you know, one of the things about subtle difference between being influential and being manipulative, the whole process is the same. The only difference is the intent. Intent is really, really important. So if you go in with positive intent, it's not that you then go emotional trust because I want this, I'm just going to throw everything at it. It's I really want this to work. Therefore, what can I pick up to say, right, what can I now trust about this person? Yes. And if you're getting in with yourself, first of all, connected with your intelligent self-trust, I know this is how I can be in certain situations. Yeah. I know if this is going really well, I can sometimes jump to conclusion. I know if this doesn't go really well, I can jump to conclusion. So how am I going to mitigate that? From that stronger place, you can then really be attentive to that other person and listen to what they're saying and how they're saying it and ask the right questions so that you know what you can intelligently trust. That's really good. Uh, so you go in there with strong self-confidence, self-awareness, this intelligence and emotional trust in yourself. And then you go looking at the other person for a positive feedback almost. You go there with a positive intent and that will help this almost flywheel. You, you know, you'll, you'll start to build this, this picture of this person as someone you can trust. But again, it isn't a all or nothing. You'll just slowly put together bits of the picture to start to form a the whole is that is that how it is? there's there's a bit but it's be careful not to allow your emotions to come in by saying i'm looking for positive things or i'm looking for good things or i'm looking for the things that i like and therefore if they don't fit into those three boxes it's a bad thing and i can't then trust them that's emotional trust this is about building on accurate intelligent trust okay you've just said that they haven't asked that type of question you just responded in that way Okay, I now know I can trust that. When when it's something that we talk about, it's a subject you're comfortable with, you're, you're very open and confident in talking about it and you stick to the point, I can trust that. But when I asked you something that clearly you weren't so confident in, you became a bit evasive and you moved on to another topic. Okay, so I can trust. When you don't know your stuff, that's what you're going to go and do. Now, rather than me judging whether I think that's positive or negative, whether I think it's right or wrong, or I like it or I don't like it, my intelligent trust is non-judgmental. It's just accurate. Yes, that's the key, isn't it? And this is the bit I'm finding. It's because the word trust, I think, is such an emotive word. Yes. Isn't it? That's it. So when you're just saying it is, it's non-judgmental, that's the key to the intelligence trust is, and, and you said it right at the start, you can trust certain people to do certain things. I think one of the examples that's been used in the past is, is if you have to put a thief in charge of petty cash. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, the, that's the example we've worked on before on this to illustrate it, that if you have to put a known and convicted thief of petty cash in charge of the petty cash, can you trust them? Most people will say, no, you can't. They're a known and convicted thief of that, so you can't. Uh, and then you get the other half of the people who will say, everybody deserves a second chance. You've just got to trust them. And both of those are emotional. It's a zero and a hundred. Yes. And the intelligent question is, as a known and convicted thief of petty cash, which, by the way, is the tin of money that buys the tea bags and the coffee and the toilet rolls and everything else. It's Because I, I don't know if the petty cash tin still exists anymore. The intelligent question is, what can I trust that person to do if put in charge of the petty cash? So the things you can trust is they could be tempted. They could be uncomfortable. They could hatch a plan. You can trust that they've probably come up with an alibi or an excuse or something. And so based upon that intelligent trust, what strategies can you put in place to mitigate the risks through your intelligent trust? You know, so that's the supervision, the, the maybe they look after the paperwork, but not the cash itself. There's maybe a bonus in place or a penalty in place. 
you know, or buddied up with someone else, a whole load of things that you can put in place. And then the question that comes after that is after six months, if all these measures are in place and the petty cash is 100% accurate, what can you now trust? Yes. And the emotion would say you can now trust that person. The intelligence would say you can trust the measures that you've put in place work. But it's amazing how many people would say, I would sit that person down and apologize for the draconian measures that I had to put in place. I hope they weren't insulted. Here's the keys. Here's the cash. See you Monday. It's a great, simple analogy for that whole intelligent and emotional because we'd all feel that. And those steps make so much sense for any for any big thing. You You are... Yeah, the emotional judgment is just so binary in this, isn't it? Yes or no. And even then, as you said, after six months, it kicks in. And and genuinely, yeah. we've all been in similar work situations where where those things have happened, not necessarily thieving, but where you unfairly trusted somebody to do something which they can't, they couldn't yet do, or they weren't in a position to do. And the important thing with this, Warren, as well, this isn't doing something to someone, it's doing it for them. It's protecting them from what you can trust they will be tempted to do. It's not doing it to them, it's doing it for them. Otherwise, you're putting them in a situation where it could actually bring out the worst in them. No, I agree. Just, just because you don't want to be the person who didn't 100% trust. We have this with the kids. It's like, you know, James will do something and, you know, Francine will sort of say, I can't believe it. And it's like, Really? <laughs> To me, this is the obvious outcome. I mean, one thing you can trust him is, is he will do that? I mean, should he? That's a different question. Is it a surprise? No, not, not at all. It's a shame it's not a surprise, but it's not a surprise. Yeah. So that's, so that makes a lots, lots of, lots of good sense. So to try to use that intelligence to start to draw up a picture of truths and non-truths, I think, rather than good things and bad, positive things and negative things, as you said. When I said that earlier, that was emotional. That made total sense. You know, what's real, what's not, what, what I can rely on. How do I speed up that feeling of trust from the other party as well? So I'm going in there with confidence and self-awareness. You know, I'm being, a, my emotional management is strong. I'm going in there looking for elements I can trust and rely on from the other person. How, how can I help the other person who maybe doesn't have all of the same things as I have? Let's put that into context. How can I help this person to start to think, yep, yeah, you know, Warren, somebody I can trust on. This is somebody I can build that collaborative state. Yeah. Well, just because just the same as you can't trust them more than you trust yourself they can't trust you more than they trust themselves. So it's helping them move their trust into a self-trust place. And that and that's used through questions. You know, what what can I trust you to do? I I, for instance, um I was told don't work with politicians, they can't be trusted. So I, I worked with politicians. My emotional trust was I should be able to trust these people that are in positions of responsibility and, and everything else, and privileged position, pressure position, um, but the authority to make decisions that can be life-changing for communities. I should be able to trust them. And what would happen is that they would get hugely excited about you know things like eradicating poverty, and then six weeks later, nothing would happen. And they would be more concerned about, you know, the the bin collection not being above ninety six percent, which is important. But um, well, the, the eradication of poverty agendas just disappeared. Yes. Now I could do emotional trust and say those these people can't be trusted to keep the most important thing as the most important thing. But the intelligent trust is has been able to say, well, I I can trust that while they're in the room, they'll be hugely excited and committed to that. I can also trust that we then then get the pressure from their constituents and the complaints and the press onto them that other things are going to take a priority. Therefore, what can I do between that meeting in the room to going back into picking up emails and press people? Um, what can I do to mitigate 
the difference that happens from one situation to another. Because what I can trust is when the pressure comes, they have to go into survival mode. So how do I get them to commit to something before the pressure comes? Because you're anticipating, because I know I can trust you to do that rather yeah. than that emotional, I can't trust you to see things through. So it's important that you're in that relationship where trust sits, that you're being clear on two things, what you can be trusted to do and what you're expecting to be able to trust them to do. But you're laying it out intelligently rather than just emotionally by saying, I want to be able to trust you, can I? Yeah. I think that's a good way, again, of reinforcing the steps that you talk about in this intelligence and the emotional is your understanding that you can break these things down into smaller chunks and, and so there can be steps on them. And looking at that, I think that's also part of what you do. Like when I'm thinking about meetings and, and joint commitments, when you say to somebody, yes, we can do that for you, it's therefore also really important to have simple timelines and actions and responsibilities in place, even if you know you don't need them yourself because you've got your own internal plan, that you can share with the other party so they can see their intelligence, trust can just see there's progress, the steps are happening as you're moving so that therefore they don't need to engage negatively with emotional trust now they may trust trust you anyway regardless and you may be relying on that what you should actually therefore be doing is is one just letting them see don't worry don't worry don't no no need no need to engage the big emotional on or off switch you can see the steps going forward so that is one way not necessarily that I can build trust in a way it is, but it's making sure that it doesn't disappear really quickly. And one other thing I think you touched on, so if that, that person also needs to have a degree of self-confidence and self-awareness and trust in themselves, and we talked about this, we talked about value creation, is you need to remind these people that they're lions, you know, that they are special, that they can do this, that this project, this joint initiative that you're working on, however big or small it is, is possible for them. For lots of other people, it couldn't be done. But for this person, look at what you've done in the past. This is what qualifies you to be the person who is going to make this project happen. And I say project, but I'm even thinking about when you're, when you're dealing with the kids and you know, and we're coming up with a schedule. Is you made you did something similar, similar to this in the past. This is one reason that that you can trust that I can help you to do this too. Yeah, but and and look, here's here's a real life example just from two days ago. Speaking to a recruitment business, the people I was speaking to run this business, and they are it's manual temporary workers they're they're dealing with. And they're saying, oh, they're going through this big issue at the moment because they can't trust people to actually turn up for work. So they're going through all this process of interviewing, assessment, testing, matching, and everything else that the clients needs. And they're asking them to take the job and to be there. And then there's such a percentage of them not turning up. They just can't be trusted. And that's the emotion. The intelligence is understanding, well, actually, I can trust that and what I said to them is well how would you feel if you and this is about about that empathy yes. how would you feel you're gonna were you ever a temporary worker before did you ever have a first day that you knew was only going to be two or three days a week or even just two or three days this week how did that feel when you came off the call so I can trust they're going to feel uncomfortable I can trust they feel anxious I can trust they're going to have second thoughts. I'm going to trust that there's a voice in their head saying, do you really need to do this? You can trust that there's going to be maybe even another voice in their head saying, maybe there's something better. Maybe you don't need to do this. And if you can trust all those things using your intelligent trust, then you can say, well, what do I do to help mitigate that? Yes. 
And then rather than on that phone, putting someone under pressure saying, look, I've told you the job, you've agreed to take it, I'm counting on you being there, emotional trust, is intelligent trust saying, look, I know when we come off this call, there is a chance, a likelihood, you're going to have some of these thoughts. So how are you going to deal with those thoughts when they come? You know, how can you trust yourself and how therefore can I trust you more on an intelligent level? How are you going to deal with those doubts? And what can I trust you to do at what point if you decide not to do this job, at what point can I trust you to tell me? It's great. It's so strong, isn't it? There's so many, this intelligent trust, it just, yeah, it's, it's stripping away this emotive side. And But even every time you say the word, I can just feel like my, yeah, my emotion, <laughs> the emotional bit of my brain pulsing. It's like, no, no. But it, but it makes so much sense. Well, well, the whole point about this is to drive the positive outcome that you're looking for, to drive closer and closer towards it and to bring people with you so, so it feels like a positive outcome to them too. Again, you think about this as a system, you'd understand that a third of people are going to drop off after this. So you're planning that, you're building that, you trust that this is going to happen as part of your process and you build the system up. So, you know, you've always got more people than you have. And it takes emotion out of it. No, it's good. And it allows you to build on more solid foundations yes. and, and you learn what to trust in people and you learn what to trust in yourself and know that that can always build. And sometimes it can also slip back a little. Sometimes things can disappoint. Sometimes you people behave differently. You know, I, I sit down with people and you'll get two types of conversation. One will be, I just don't seem to do these situations well. I just can't seem to be able to do it in this situation. And I go to pieces. And that's that emotional trust. You know, I, I can't trust myself or I always trust myself. Is the, well, okay, let's break that down into, well, what is it you can trust? And, and it changes the tone of the question. And the other conversation you get is, I can't trust my boss. I can't trust my colleagues. I can't trust my clients. I can't trust whoever. And the question I would always ask to begin with is, was that person's behavior a shock or just a disappointment? Exactly. And if it was a disappointment, there was a bit of you kind of knew, and intellectually you knew it was coming. It's just emotionally you didn't want to, you didn't want it to be the case. It's absolutely nuts. I mean, I think of any business report or anything you ever do or read, you know, there are so many different components of it, you know, whether it's funnels or all of these different things, the data tells a story. And then if at the end of it, you haven't got the sale or you haven't got the number you wanted, you haven't got the number of visitors, you haven't got whatever it is, you don't just throw the whole thing out, do you? You don't go, marketing doesn't work and throw it out the window. I no longer trust marketing. You break it down into and look at all of the steps intelligently and go, which bit didn't go according to what I had in my head, which is the plan. And then you work on it and you improve it or you'll come up with workarounds or you'll do something else, but you don't throw it all out. And you're right, but for some reason there are certain, and maybe it's people, you know, instead of thinking, I wonder what happened, for example, in that manual recruitment between me putting down the phone and them not turning up, this it just seems to be one path they took a left or they took a right and of course they didn't there were a number of what you just said there were a number of different forks in the road which eventually meant that they ended up on on one side and not on the other this seems to be a really normal natural behavior when we look at mass data if we looked at the behavior of 10,000 people in a funnel we don't go emotionally, I'm disappointed, you know, I'm shocked that these 10,000 people didn't buy. We go, I wonder why we didn't get 1,000 of those people to do what we wanted to do. How do we get that to 2,000? What would we need to change in that funnel? We would just, of course, we would never look at it and go, the funnel doesn't work and throw it out. It's the same with friends who... There's those friends that when they say they're going to be there, they're there. And there's others when they say they're going to be there. And you think, well, <laughs> that would be a surprise. Um, 
a pleasant surprise, but a, but a surprise because you can trust that when some people say they're going to be there, they've committed. Yes. And you can trust that others who said there, they've agreed in principle, it'd be a really nice thing. Yes. But, you know, it's, and that's a whole difference between agreement and commitment. Yeah. Um, and better to the accurate disappointment, which is intelligent trust, rather than the inaccurate optimism, which is emotional trust. Uh, accurate disappointment and inaccurate optimism. Yeah, we've all got that, yeah. And an inaccurate optimism can also move into inaccurate pessimism. You know, she says she's going to turn up, but there's no chance. Yes. So both are inaccurate. You're looking for that accurate. Give me accurate disappointment over inaccurate optimism right. any day of the week. I would rather be, I'd rather know you're not going to do something than go away just praying that you're going to. And it's, it's the same with, and, and, and that thing about trust, particularly with a customer, and I did stuff with, I was lucky enough to do stuff with Tom Peters at Ford um, 20 years ago and with a conversation about trust, where trust sat in, in terms of customers and, you know, car company, obviously, with Ford. What are they trusting you? What is a customer trusting you to do? And people were saying they're trusting you to sell them a car. They're trusting you to deliver. They're trusting you to give something of quality. So, no, that, well, that's the quality piece. In terms of their experience with you, what are they trusting you to do? And trusting to act in your best interest, trusting to be honest, trusting to be open, trusting to really listen, trusting to put them as a priority, even if they don't actually find them the car they're looking for. And that's what will bring them back because that's where the experience of what they can trust you to do rather than just they got me the car, therefore I can totally trust this person. Yes. I like that. Okay. I'm now just going through my head, all those people who have accurately disappointed me. I mean, just what you just said, there's those people who, if I say I'm going to meet them in a month, yeah, I can book it. There's other people who they say, I'll meet you at the weekend. Yeah, I'm leaving until Friday. After, I'm leaving until Friday afternoon until I, and, 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 until I book the babysitter. And that's not because you can't trust them. It's because you can trust that other things can be disruptive to it. So you put a strategy in place saying, I'll check before I book. And that's exactly the, the reminder I need to put on my mirror is... That isn't the dis- that isn't the disappointment. I can trust I can trust certain friends of mine to act in certain ways. That's good. That's good. It's like in the sales team, isn't it? You know, I would love it if everybody was always going to get hundred percent. And you always have those people who tell you they're always going to do hundred percent. And um, what you'd much rather have is either somebody who's a fantastic salesperson or a fantastic forecaster. You know, that's that's the thing. You'd much rather know, yeah, accurate disappointment. And trust, peace, and intelligence is the quality of the question, is what can I trust this person to do? Or what can I trust is then going to occur? Rather than can I trust or can't I trust? It's what can I trust this person to do? And you might be kind of disappointed in what you can trust this person to do, but you know you can trust them to do that. I I can trust when people are when it's positioned as being to their personal gain, it will be an absolute priority. And I can trust others when it's positioned as being to their personal gain, that just does, that switches them off. It makes so much sense what you just said, because as soon as you know, then you can use it. It's like pieces in a chessboard. Is if you know how people are going to react, then that's fine. If you know, you know, you know that a bishop moves a particular way, you know a knight moves a particular way. That's fine. So therefore, you can plan a strategy, a team, an outing, an event, a family dinner, you know, a romantic night out, knowing that if you do things this way, you're more likely to get a positive result than if you do it this way. And why that's absolutely vital in relationships, whether personal, professional, or business is that trust is a bond between two people. It's your point of connection. And if you're connected, you can influence. If you don't have that connection, you can't influence. Trust is two-way. It's 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 like collaboration. You you can't decide to collaborate on your own with other people. It's something we do together or it doesn't happen. It's the same with trust. 
is not to then begin into these situations where the trust is all on your side and not on their side. So that's something you do have to influence and you have to connect first before you can have that influence. And that's the, okay, I'm, I'm, I know what I can trust in you. Yes. Whether I like it or not, I know what I can trust. So we can connect on that level. And let me tell you what you can trust in me. I'm going to be looking after your best interests. I'm going to be giving everything I can. I'm always going to be solution focused. I'm always going to be pleased to hear from you, even though I might not then be telling you what you really want to hear. But you can trust where it's coming from. That's good. This is good. This is really good. We're going to wrap up here. Thank you. See you next. I will talk to you next week, Stephen. Enjoy the rest of your day. I trust you'll have a good day. But the word accurate disappointment, I don't know why I got my, a picture of my, of my school teachers looking at me. You know, you've disappointed us. And yeah, you were definitely. So there we have it. Trust. A good episode. I enjoyed this. can really feel sometimes the ideas landing with a big thump. And almost immediately... You can feel some of the ideas are helping to improve conversations you know you're going to have later that day and tomorrow and in the future. And this was one of them. The idea that trust isn't an all or nothing was was powerful. It was a good, powerful reminder to me. So hope you, you enjoyed it too. In the meantime, if there's anything you'd like to add, if there are any comments, if there are any questions, there are topics you think we should tackle, please let us know. You've got the email address, uh, podcast at coachpro.online. CoachPro being the online platform for loads of different coaching materials that Stephen runs. You can check that out too. In the meantime, yeah, have a good day. See you next week. Bye.